In the name of Jesus, amen. Sometimes the covers on our bulletins really nail what the scripture lessons are about. The Ten Commandments on the front of your bulletin, well, those are easily recognizable. But did you notice that they're hanging on a cross? It's there to teach us about law and gospel. And that's what Jesus is teaching us in this morning's scripture lesson. All of scripture, in fact, can be divided into law and gospel. You learn in confirmation class, the law shows our sin, the gospel shows our savior. It seems so simple. And yet, so often we miss it. So often it goes right over our heads. So often we get lost. In fact, the great Lutheran theologians all said it takes a lifetime to truly understand the law and the gospel. And that's why Jesus takes the time to teach us this morning. It begins with a confrontation with the Pharisees, the legalists, people who don't get the law correct and they don't get the gospel correctly either. And they come and they ask Jesus a question. Which law is the great law? Which law is the best law? Which law is the law we should always keep? What's the answer to that question? Can you think of one? There's not a greatest law, is there? It's a trick question. And yet, behind what they're asking is a reality that all of us struggle with in our confusion about the law. Oftentimes, we try to pit one commandment against another commandment. We try to make one law more important than another law. And as we do so, we do so in such a way as to try and make it easier for us to save ourselves. I'll give you an example of what this looks like. We might decide for ourselves, after looking at the Ten Commandments and our society today, that one of these commandments is more important than the other one. Let's say the Sixth Commandment, you shall not commit adultery. That's got to be the most important one, right? I mean, it's in the news all the time. All sorts of legal battles are going through our court system, all about the Sixth Commandment. It's not been 10 years since we redefined what marriage is. It's not been 10 years since all the chaos about this issue really got going. And what do we see on the horizon? 
debates about polyamory, multiple people marrying each other. What do we see in the news? Well, Netflix just got sued for having a show called Cuties On, which apparently depicts young children as sexual objects. We have all sorts of divorce surrounding us, don't we? Adultery. Everybody has a cell phone where they can get pictures of naked people at just a few swipes of the finger. What's the most important law in our world? It has to be, you shall not commit adultery. The sixth commandment. Or maybe not. Maybe it's the seventh commandment. You shall not steal. Maybe that's the most important one right now. After all, we know there's an election coming, and we're all convinced that the other side is going to steal it. And what's more, we see on the news all the time the thefts that are taking place in our community from cars, from homes, thefts of weapons that later on end up in other crimes. And it's not just the blatant stealing that breaks the seventh commandment. What about the rioting? Did you know the seventh commandment forbids that? We're supposed to protect and improve our neighbor's possessions and income. Not burn it down if we're unhappy. We haven't even gotten into tax season. How will you find a loophole to pay less tax? Maybe the seventh commandment, you shall not steal. Maybe that's the most important one. Or maybe not. Maybe the fifth, you shall not murder, protecting other people's lives. We deal with abortion in the world. Sure, a million people have died from coronavirus, but in the same amount of time, 30 million babies have been aborted. We talk so much about health and safety. We wear our seat belts. We don't smoke. We don't drink excessively. Or maybe we do. Maybe the fifth commandment is most important. Do you see how you can talk yourself in to making one commandment more important than the other ones? Do you see how you can pit one commandment against the others? And I'll be honest, it's not that the things that I've mentioned so far are unimportant. It's good to be chased. It's good not to steal. It's good to protect life. 
But that doesn't mean one commandment is the great commandment above all other commandments. No. We can't say protecting life is more important than going to church. We can't say avoiding adultery is more important than not coveting. We can't say not misusing God's name is more important than not stealing. You see, here's the law bit that you need to understand. All of God's law is good and wise. All of God's law is true. God himself wrote the Ten Commandments with his own finger, no less. All of it matters. All ten are equally true. And you are subject to all ten commandments. Believe it or not, that's what Jesus is teaching by his answer in our gospel lesson for today. He says, the most important commandment is, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. What's he saying? All the law can be summarized with this one word, love. Love. That's the greatest law. And it includes all ten commandments. Now we have a problem. You see, if love is the law, then we find that we've fallen short. Have you loved God perfectly? Have you? Have you loved your neighbor perfectly? All of them. Not just your family. Not just the guy whose property immediately butts up next to yours. Have you loved? The answer to that question makes us a little nervous, doesn't it? We always add a qualifier. Well, I would have loved them, but... That's why we try to pit one commandment against another. Well, I haven't murdered anyone, even though I've stolen. I haven't coveted what my neighbor has even though 
I failed to love my spouse properly. If we make one part of love more important than the rest, we think we can keep it, we think we can fulfill it, but we can't. We fail, we fall short, we sin. We don't keep the greatest commandment. The Pharisees didn't either. Our efforts at self-justifying justifying, fail. And Christ, he won't let us continue that way. The law is love. So when we fail to love, according to God's word, that's sin. And according to God's word, all who sin must die. And scripture doesn't just mean a temporal, worldly death like is coming. He means spiritual death, hell. That's what sinners get. That's what they deserve. That included the Pharisees. That includes you. That includes me. Failure to love both God and our neighbor will one day kill us. That's the law. That's the truth. But God doesn't leave things there. And that's why Jesus goes on the offensive in the second part of our gospel lesson. That's why Jesus asks a question of the Pharisees. He says, whose son is the Christ? What's the answer to that question? Well, the Pharisees think they've got it figured out. He's David's son. He's a worldly king who will restore the kingdom of Israel to its power and its glory, to its wealth and its riches. That's only a partial answer at best. Jesus wants us to understand something more about the Messiah, about the Christ, about himself. Jesus wants us to understand the incarnation that the almighty, all-powerful God who brought this world and you into existence by the power of his holy word, that he will become human flesh, that God, who becomes flesh, does it for a specific purpose, to take your sin upon himself, to take it to the cross, and to die for that sin. 
That's who the Christ is, the sin sacrifice, the one whose blood washes and cleanses from all guilt and shame and sorrow. Who's the Messiah? It's the one who defeats sin, death, and the power of the devil. Who's the Messiah? It's Jesus. Not only do you need to understand how the law condemns you, you need to understand Jesus. You've failed to love, so Christ has come. You've broken all ten commandments, so Jesus has fulfilled them all in your place perfectly. He loved God completely and totally. He loved his neighbor more than he loved himself. Want to know how I know? The all-powerful, almighty God in human flesh who is perfect and deserved to live forever took your sin and carried it step by step to Jerusalem was arrested for your faults tried for your crimes beaten for your unlove, stripped naked and hung from a cross until dead. And to make sure he is dead, he was stabbed through the heart and lungs. And then he was buried, not even in his own grave, Why does he do it? To save you. To pay for your sin. To grant you his life. Life to the full. Who is the Christ? Yes, he's the son of David. And he's also Jesus, the son of God. In the things that Jesus did, he earned your forgiveness for all your failures, for all your shortcomings, for all your weaknesses. You have been forgiven all of your sin. It's been taken from you as far as the east is from the west. When God looks at you, what's he see? He sees Jesus. He's no longer angry at your sin. It's been paid for. 
And He continually pours out that forgiveness upon you so that you might understand it, absorb it, understand it so that it's a part of you. He gives you His Word, both read from the Bible and preached from the pulpit, sung in the hymns. He gives you Baptism, where He washes all your sin and cleanses and purifies you so that you are pure and righteous and holy in His sight. He feeds you with His own crucified and resurrected body and blood so that you might have life in His name. You have peace before God because of Jesus. To make sure you understand that Christ Himself rose from the dead, the first fruits of all those who sleep, that's what awaits you. You shall live forever with God in His kingdom, world without end, every tear wiped away, no suffering or sorrow, no hunger or thirst. And until that happens, for you, you're free. Every day of your life, now, you're free. Free to do your best at keeping the commandments of God, showing love towards Him for all the great things He's done for you, and sharing that same love with your neighbor, the people around you. Love towards God and fervent love towards our neighbor. Now we don't need to steal. We've been given everything. Now we don't need to commit adultery. We've been given the greatest love imaginable. Now we don't need to gossip. Christ's true word already covers over whatever we could say about that other person. Now we can go to church to receive again and again and more and more of God's amazing grace. We're free to be Christian. Law and gospel. Condemnation and forgiveness. And all of it there to teach us about how much we need Jesus and how precious His love is. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds about in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.